BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Hey, yo, what's good? Check it out. This is your boy, Elder Sensei, one half of the legendary artifacts. You are right now in tune to my man, Tim Kell at the library on rapstation.com. Let's get it popping, y'all. Artifacts. Peace, Elder Sensei. I'm out. budget, I record and make my own beats, hit the studio all by myself, stand on my own feet, I'm a different breed, I do this for the crowd applause, turn this hobby to a job, don't need no feature on the blog now, I ain't a star, I'm an asteroid. Canadian recording artist and producer Classified dropped his first album, Time's Up Kid, in 1995 at the age of 15. It is now 2016, and he just released his 15th album, Grateful, through Half-Life Records and Universal Music Canada, which features artists and producers such as DJ Premier, Snoop Dogg, Socrates, Slug of Atmosphere, and more. Classified, welcome to the library with Tim Einenkel on RapStation.com. Thank you, man. How you doing? Good, thank you. Thanks so much for doing this. I call him my motherfucker, You think you know me, you don't know me, kid, you way off. I'm here to restore order, because we all live in chaos. So you've said in the statement about the album that Grateful is, quote, more personal, and I got to work with my heroes in hip-hop. So what was your mindset going into this album? Did you know you were going to get this personal? And then lastly, what is it like to work with your heroes? I mean, is there any nerves coming through? Yeah, well, I guess the first thing, no, like, you know, like you said, it's like my 15th album. So it's not like, you know, I'm starting a new album. It's like, okay, what's going to be the big thing that separates this? Like, I basically, when I'm not on the road, I, I live in my studio, so I'm always working on music. But I think the thing that separated this album is I just spent a lot more alone time in the studio. Mm. Like I make my own beats. I write my stuff. I engineer my own stuff. I'm in my own home studio. So it kind of gives me that ability to kind of spend a lot of alone time rather than have, you know, my brothers, my friends, the boys in here. And I think just being alone in general, whether or not I'm even making music, I think you just tend to dwell on more personal stuff like Mm. relationships and you know, dealing with your kids, whatever it is. So I think that was the biggest difference with this one and why a lot more of the songs tend to lean to more like a personal topic and, you know, that kind of thing. And then working with my heroes, yeah, it was, you know, I grew up a 90s kid, so Snoop Dogg, Doggy Style, all that stuff was like, you know, The Chronic, all that was like my introduction to hip-hop. So, you know, to be able to work with Snoop was definitely like bucket list material. You know, (laughs) we actually got to do the song together. It wasn't like I sent him the song and he sent me a verse and that was it. Like, we... He, he basically came up to Nova Scotia to shoot Trailer Park Boys. It's like a TV show up in Canada we have that's, you know, it's blown up 
internationally. Snoop's a big fan, so he, he flew up to shoot a couple uh, episodes of that, which is 20 minutes from my house. So we got at his management. We're like, look, we're 20 minutes away. So we brought a studio to this old beat-down <laughs> motel, and Snoop came through, and, and yeah, we made him sign a couple hours. <laughs> Yes, I'm the best. No pressure, nonetheless. One might come test until they figure out. This nigga about knocking the bitch, getting his grip, taking the trip, and having a sip. I made your girl want a skinny dip when she seen me. Rub my nuts three times, I made your bitch a genie. She made my dick disappear and reappear. Do it then. Gave it to her best friend. Blew it then. See, I don't even know where I'm at. Somewhere in Nova Scotia, Canada, busting the map. You see, pimpin' ain't got no restrictions. I'm your DJ while I'm staying in the mix. Fixing the batch. I woke up with a bad bitch on my lap. My nigga, cause I'm cool like that. See, it's a Monday, a fun day, and one day I'll be It seems like, I mean, having someone in studio with you, especially in the age of, obviously, the age of the internet, right? Totally. Is, is, that, is that a, I mean, I imagine that, is that a rare thing now? Rare, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause like, I've done songs with like Budden, like Joe Budden, me yeah. and him toured a while. So we had a bit of a relationship and we did a song, but it was over the internet. I worked with Raekwon, who I've known a little bit. Over the internet, Tash from the Alcoholics, like back in the day, we, wow, we did wow. stuff, and it was all over the internet. So, it, you know, and, and for me, like that's kind of my thing. It's like I'm a fan of hip hop, so mm. I'm still trying to always work with these dudes that I looked up to, and people that I think are still, you know, putting out music that, you know, it, not just kind of going under the radar. Like they're still trying to make dope music, basically. Right, right. So it, it was definitely, and then the pre, the premiere thing was like, you know, what I mean, I'm a producer too, so. If you grew up in hip hop yeah. in the '90s and you're a producer, Primo is that guy. It's basically Primo and Dre in those days. So, you know, I, I sent his manager the track. I got the hook up through uh, Royce Five Nine because mm. I know Royce really good, and sent the track to Primo. And then Primo just called me out of the blue one day. Like I just got a number. I was like, okay, I don't know this number. Answer. <laughs> it's like, what's up? It's Primo, man. Got the track. And you know, moments like that are like, you know, the hip hop fan of me is just like, shit, this, this is dope. <laughs> So, so was the the, the primo track? Uh, it's, it's, it's titled "Filthy." Was that a was that an in studio thing, or was that like, no? That was all over the phone. Like I pretty much had the song done. Like I made the beat, wrote my verses, recorded everything, and then I knew I wanted to have cuts on the on the uh, on the hook. And originally, I was just going to get my my own DJ, DJ IV, who does a lot of my cuts and stuff. And then it was actually my brother who was like, "Man, you should try to get Primo to do cut, cuts." We kind of laughed at it at first, and I was like, "Shit, that's not that crazy." Like I can contact primo through royce's manager kino and yeah it was dope man it was one of those moments and and something like when you when you're working with a producer like primo is that just something you just give him you know like just give him the track let him do what he does totally yeah like the track was already kind of laid out like it had my vocals and stuff so it had like four bars you know after my first verse that was empty and i kind of just said hey if you can kind of do like an intro thing you know, he did the classic Primo, the old yeah. sound quotes from back in the day, which as soon as I heard that, I was just like smiling, like, okay, <laughs> this is classic Primo. And then, yeah, he just did his thing. He put his three or four cuts together in the course. And then I remember when I got it, I wanted I wanted him to cut my vocal up, though. So I sent him a couple of my vocals, and he incorporated that into it. Oh, and, yeah, awesome. he was super cool about it. Cool. What, you, so you, you wrote the track. Uh, you had it done. You, you know, you sent it to Primo. Were you ever, did you ever look back at your lyrics and be like, I'm saying to Primo, do I need to like rewrite anything? Do I need to step yeah, up my Yeah, yeah. Well, that that was the weird thing about it. Like, because when I wrote it, I wasn't thinking Primo's going to hear this and possibly do it. So, right. and that's the same with the Snoop track. Like, I had my vocals already wrote. Like that song was already done. And I just ended up taking off my second verse and putting Snoop on that. And you definitely look at those moments, but for the filthy track, it, it's like a weird story. I'm a I'm a weed smoker, and I quit weed for 
10 days, I think it was. And like that's, I haven't quit weed in 15 years. You know what I mean? And I wrote that filthy track, made the beat, did it all in like two days. And I just remember thinking like, this is like my favorite verse I wrote in a while. Wow. So I was kind of, yeah. So when I said it to Fremo, I I was still pretty confident. I was like, no, this shit, you know, it had some punchlines, it had wordplay and the flow was nice. And the beat was like a hard hitting beat. So kind of fit it perfect. There's a, there's a line that you spit in uh, filthy and I will attempt not to butcher it as much as I can, but the line, the line is, uh, came into the game when white rappers weren't a cliche. Uh, man, oh man, that sure is changing these days. Shit is filthy. Uh, so when you talk about, when you talk about the competition and how it's changed from when you first started, right? Um, and now, now that they say white rappers are the norm, does this mean, um, I guess, how has the competition changed for you? And then now that quote unquote white rappers are the norm, do you get that default like industry competition where you're white, you have to be compared to a white rapper? Are you, are you also, but are you able to avoid all that? A little bit because I think I've been around more than three or four years. You know what I mean? Like people who follow me or even Canadian hip hop in general know that I've been putting out music since, you know, the late nineties, early two thousands. And even that line, I don't think white rappers are the, the norm necessarily okay. now. I just think a lot of white rap. I even hate calling them white rappers, but I think yeah. even white rappers are not they get that they get a pass, but like something like Iggy Azalea, right. who comes out just sounds like some chick that's from the south and raps, but she's white and she's blonde, so she blew up for a couple of years and she's slowly kind of fizzling away now. But just the fact that that like I hate I hate getting emails from people going, oh dude, you're my favorite white rapper, right. my other yeah. my or my other. You know, you're my favorite rapper. My other three favorite rappers are Mac Miller, Slug, and and Action Bronson. Like, <laughs> I just hate that people are so stuck in of like, you know. I'm gonna listen to. Oh, rap- he's white. Unless he's, you know, you're dope. You're dope. I don't care about that. I just hate the fact that some people get put on and get more shine because they are white. Especially nowadays, it's like, come on. Right. Especially, I imagine those emails also come. Someone saying that also comes off as like, I didn't listen to rap before, but now oh, that white people are doing it. I'm totally oh, going to listen to And rap. that's the other email. It's like, hey, I don't even like rap music, but I like you and and Yellow Wolf. Right. right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Right. I mean, I remember being younger and I remember being at like a, a record store, probably closed by now, like Sam Goody. And there yeah. was, um, you know, there's obviously genres of music section. And I remember these like, and we were, I was young, so it must have been like 13. But I remember, and I don't know why this conversation is this moment in my life has stood out to me. But I remember mm. there's like three, three white kids, probably my age were asked for Beastie Boys and the store clerk said, oh yeah, they're in rap. And you could tell there was like a disappointment on their face. Like they didn't, you know, it was that moment where like <laughs> they, were, they were looking in rock music for them because they were white. And then they, and you could see like on their face, I read like, oh, there's this disappointment that, oh, they're listening to rap music or yeah, yeah, they like, like them like because they didn't want to be associated with it. Like, yeah, exactly. Oh, really? I'm not going to that section. <laughs> but yeah, like even back to the Beastie Boys, you know what I mean? Since the eighties, but I guess that you can kind of see that flip into a new genre because they played instruments. They played like heavier rock punk right. music and stuff too. But yeah, no, it, it's, it's weird that that's what it's like. It's, you know, the, the, another track I love of the album is uh, "Heavy Head," and uh, you know I have a few questions about that. Uh, you 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 talk about signing a worldwide deer, deal, and then them trying to change you artistically to make you more pop. Um, and now that, but but now you also say like it's cool because I got my my own thing in Canada, in my own country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just for our listeners that are not Canadian, let's say that. Can you yeah. describe what is your thing that you have in Canada? Um, 
a concrete fan base, mm. like a real fan base. Like, you know, I have radio hits in Canada, but even before I had radio hits, I was selling 25,000 CDs independently, doing solo tours to 40 shows across Canada. So, you know, when I signed my deal with Atlantic two years ago, three years ago, you know, and it wasn't even like, I don't want to seem like, oh, I signed it and all of a sudden they brought me down and put me a room full of suits and said, you got to do this, this and this and that. Like, it wasn't that. It was more so like, hey, okay, you're signed. Hey, geez, you have this opportunity to go do a verse on this Cody Simpson song. And if you do it, they'll tweet out your single to his five million followers. Right. You know what I mean? So like as yeah. a business, as a record label, I get that's why you're doing it. But for me, where it's like, I don't want my first look to the majority of the world that don't know me to be, oh, that's that guy who did the song with Cody Simpson. Right, right, right. Because, yeah. you know, I came up listening to the Snoop Dogs, the Primo, the Royces, all in this. So it was almost like, well, you know, if I was a younger kid and I didn't have a real fan base, maybe I would have been like, okay, whatever. You know, this is going to help me get my name out. But it's almost like turning your back on those real fans of like, that are a fan of your music and you being like, okay, well, I'm going to do this music that I'm not really into to hopefully have him tweet out my song. So it was right. just weird positions I was put in where I kind of just kept stepping back and go, you know, if I had nothing in my own country and had no success or any concrete fan base, I might've been more tempted to do it, but it wasn't like all of this or nothing. I was like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. And if, yeah, if this album ain't going to work out in the world, I can go back to Canada where I'm very comfortable. You know, I got my three kids. We built a house, nice. you know, I'm, I'm, I saved my money. I'm the best <laughs> as well. So it's not like I needed that to survive in the music industry. Uh, another line I like in the this, the track is, I love the fans, love the hour that I get on stage, but hate the stakes. You still haven't learned how to behave. Uh, is what, do, what do these lyrics mean? And then also, uh, how has the live show changed for you in, throughout your career? Uh, well, like originally, you know, in 2001, it was me and my boy jumped on a Greyhound bus and, you know, right. showed up in every little town and played for 15 to 20 people, you know. Yeah. And then the next tour, we had enough money to rent a minivan and we played to 50 people. And it kind of grew up from that to now I play with like six players in my band, like full on band. You know, we tour on the tour bus and it's it's definitely a lot more comfortable now. And it's cool because just I've been through Canada so many times that. A lot of these fans that I've met, I've met them three or four times now, five or six times now. So it's it's just like a really concrete foundation that I can always come back to a tour once a year, do it, do my festival thing in the summer. And then, you know, if other things happen outside of Canada, that's a bonus. I love the rush, love performing, I don't want to leave. But it's the planes and the traveling that I don't need. I love the fans, love the hour that I get on stage. But hate the snakes, you still haven't learned how to behave. This game's a chop shop, filled with originals and knockoffs. Bunch of bitches trying to be the top dog, fighting for the top spot. I got nothing left to prove. Everything I wanted to do, kid, I did it, I'm finished. Enough small talk. Maybe it's time I drop the mic and just walk off. I have to admit, when I heard those lyrics, but I hate the state. Um, stakes. I, I I heard them wrong, and I heard them as, but I hate the states. Oh, and, the states! No, and, no, 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 I hate the states. No, 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 no. And I, I heard it wrong, and, and and I like you know went back a few times, and I was like, he's not saying what I think he's yeah, saying. He's dissing the whole. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's like I was like, that's ballsy shit. But but snakes. But that said, that said, um, you know, you know, you're obviously a Canadian producer and MC. Uh, so I mean, not dissing on any other countries, but can you just kind of tell from your experience what are the major differences? And similarities between Canadian hip hop fans versus major differences and similarities between like hip hop fans in the U.S. Um, I don't know if there is a big difference, honestly. Like a lot of people up here, obviously, listen to American hip hop. It's what we grew up on. It's where it originated from. So we're all heavily influenced. You know, over in Vancouver, I think it's influenced more from the West Coast sound. Um, 
well, used to be. Now it's kind of more south, you know. What I mean? right. Like the whole side of everywhere is more of a southern bounce now. But I think the fans are very similar. The biggest thing for us as artists is like there's always been cats up here making music. Back to like Maestro Fresh West right. having a hit back in '89 to like the Socrates Cardinals, Chocolaires, all these guys to the Tory Lanes and the newer guys now. But it was more so our our, our industry like we have no managers like mm. there's pretty like i know the industry pretty good up here and there might be four or five real managers that manage hip-hop artists up here oh, and wow. like the rest are just joe blow's friends that you know some days they feel like being a manager some days they don't type thing so that that was our biggest thing was people trying to make it up here and focus strictly on canada which i did and i got lucky and you know turned it into something but a lot of people kind of just focus on canada and there's just not enough structure or infrastructure to really make an artist, you know, build unless they're just torn nonstop. But then now with like, I find the biggest difference now is a lot of artists from Canada are going to the States and get discovered first. Like Tory Lanez is a perfect example. You know, he went platinum or whatever with his, with his single, sold a million singles. And up to like two years ago, three years ago, like I don't think one person in Canada could even name his name, you know what I mean? Mm. Besides people in his, you know, in his city. So it's that seems to be the biggest difference now is people aren't so focused on, okay, let me just try to blow up in Canada. They're more so focused on the rest of the world. If it happens in Canada, if it, it happens. Uh, the record uh, Having Kids is Easy is, mm. a, is a track you share. Is that is that a type of track or has that already passed that you, you would share with your daughters? Uh, just, oh, so, yeah. So they kind of have an understanding of like why dad oh. needs time out. Yeah, yeah. Well, they think it's funny. They just think it's funny that I tell them that kids suck. Like, kids don't <laughs> suck. You know what I mean? Like, my kids are seven, six, and, and three, but no, they, they get it. They they get my, my sarcasm, just my, uh, yeah. They think it's funny, though, especially when they saw themselves in cartoons. We did, like, an animated video for it. So right. once they saw that, it was, yeah, they were, they were excited. I need a break in the white feet today, but we fall asleep at eight, reading bedtime stories. I should be going out, supposed to be a rap star. Instead of home, watching Frozen and Madagascar. Cars are bad, but I smell the crap I don't really want to watch. My whole social life is falling off. Uh, the next track after that uh, is uh, Work Away, and that comes, you know, as I said, comes up after Kids Is Easy. And this, to me, this seems that to be the kind of the portion of the album where you, it's not just for your fellow artists, but it's also for dads, mothers, working people Holy, out there. Holy, yeah, yeah. I may be tired, but I'm not asleep. My eyes are open and my heart still beats. I may be outside, but I'm not out cold. Can you talk about these two tracks and the importance, for you, the importance of the their, their placement on the album and then also their significance to you well, it's almost like the opposite of each other that's why I put them beside each other because one song is kind of like ah I need my time I can't deal with my kids all the time you know life's changed and didn't sign up for this type of thing where the other one's like okay I'm going away to sacrifice to support my kids and I don't get to see them and I miss them and you know kind of telling the story I have a lot of friends that you know especially in Canada it's a kind of a big deal on the east coast everyone moves out of the east coast to go work out west in the oil fields and all that so that was kind of the whole point of that song but yeah it's it's really kind of the yin and the yang it's like one saying like you know i can't stand these kids i gotta get out of here and the other one's like i just want to get home and see my kids and i think that's what life is is you know you enjoy moments and, and you have a hard time with moments and it's kind of having that balance and enjoying them for what they are I mean, those voices I think you put in the beginning of Work Away where people are talking about going away or going having gone to work or as a radio producer is like one of the most powerful moments. Yeah, on the album. that's yeah, no, that was 
you know, we had the song done, and then me and Dave, the guy singing on, we were just sitting in the studio. I was like, man, it'd be dope to get actual people who who do this for a job. So I put something on Facebook. I was like, hey, I'm working on this song. If you work away from your kids or your family, record yourself saying your name, where you're from, and where you go to work. And we had like 600 people send it in within wow. the first day. So yeah, it was kind of it was kind of hard to pick six from the 600, but. But, yeah, it just made that song more real, I think, yeah. and just gave it more of an authentic vibe or whatever. Yeah, I'm gone. I know I'm gonna miss this when I'm gone, but I'm optimistic and stay strong. I write this song for anybody who gotta work long distance and beyond. Anybody working three weeks on to get a week off to put your feet up, then you gotta try to get the weed up, cause it might be a week to fill the peak up. Oh, I'm feeling for you. The Canadian Ra- Radio Television Telecommunications Commission. That's a handful. You know, they have requirements for music on Canadian radio, which seem to help the, uh, you know, make it more diverse in terms of, yeah. like, you're not just hearing, like, the top ten is not just Beyonce, Jay-Z, blah, blah, blah. It's actually other artists out there. Yeah, um, yeah. See, that's the funny thing is, though, like, ten years ago, it'd be like, okay, cool, we have the can- Canadian content, which means, you know, Canadian radio has to pay- play, I mean, I think it's 30 or 40% Canadian music. So, you know, it would give artists a chance from smaller towns or whatever, or just from Canada in general, who haven't blown up around the world, some airplay. But in the last five years, Canadians have become the biggest pop stars in the world. So, <laughs> you know, they're playing Bieber anyway. Right. They're playing The Weeknd anyway. They're playing Drake anyway. They're playing Lisa Cara. You know what I mean? We have enough artists that blown up internationally, these huge hits, that the whole Canadian content thing is like, well... We'd be playing these people anyway, so they get their thirty percent just playing wow. the hits by Yeah, so it's it's kinda different now, but you know, I get why they did it, but at the end of the day it it still should be. I, I'm just a firm believer in music is music. You know right. what I mean? If it's good music, just because it's a hit in the States doesn't mean you have to play it in Canada. Right. But if it's a great song, play the song, you know what I mean? But if there's an artist from here that has a song that's just as good or better give that a chance too. don't just keep playing the same thing over and over and is it similar here where i mean similar in canada where i mean the pay to play like do you have to no not really certain to like you like if i'm working with this kid now new artist you know he's making a song we're going to radio with it Mm. it's not like you just go to the radio stations and say hey i'm gonna here's a new car play this shit but yeah. you might, you know, you hire your radio, radio programmer, which is, you know, seven, eight grand to kind of get this guy to push your single to the radio stations. And then, like, another big thing that helps, and it's not necessarily paying people off or whatever, but do the trip across the country. Go visit the stations and put a face to, right. to the music. Like, that's the biggest difference I've noticed with artists up here is those ones who actually get out, go into the, you know, Virgin 109 or whatever it is, go to the radio and just say, hey, I'm classified. I got this new single. Thanks for checking it out. Hopefully you can, you know, give it some love. Mm. And But there's no, yeah, it's not, it, it's just not as big as an industry as the States, I don't think, where that becomes a lot more evident, a lot more in your face. But you will hear people like, oh, I'm taking so-and-so out for lobster and sushi tonight, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking that's going to help someone rather than just get an email from someone saying, hey, here's my new song. Can you right, right. You know what I mean? So it's, it, it makes sense. It's kind of common sense, but it's it's not just evident buying someone off. Back to back to your art and the music you do. Um, the nine-year-old boy, the sick kids you visit in the hospital, which you talk about on It's Hard to Understand. Mm. Uh, what role do they play in your art? But then also, what role do they play in your personal life? Like, that song was just wrote... Well, in my personal life, like, both instances hit me hard. You know what I mean? Like, it was basically meeting these fans, them telling me their story, and, and it, you know, affected me different ways. But that 
that is kind of my art is writing about what's going on in my life you know those are two big stories that hit me something that i'll never forget and when things like that happen i'll always just kind of jot it down on my phone okay that day remember that day and when i started working on the album i made that beat and i remember just thinking like yeah i want this to be like uh, like a feel i want this to be like a goosebump song i want someone to feel this like that's some real shit and then going through my phone, I picked those two stories. I was like, yeah, this is, you know, these are young fans that I met that had an effect on my life. But in turn, from their stories, I had a big effect on their life. And, you know, and at the same time, I think it's just, I like telling people stories. You know what I mean? I like telling people stories that don't get to necessarily tell their stories. Like the Workaway song, these people that go away, work, sacrifice for their kids. The amount of emails and Twitters and whatever you want to call it, I got from people just going, hey, man, like, thank you for telling my story or even Simon the kid that, that I visited at the sick hospital passed away like his parents reached out to me like uh, you know like yeah I'm, like I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it right now like that shit really hits me especially having kids so it's those those are the songs on the album that are like the ones that I'm gonna love forever you know what I mean has that always been your approach to writing since when you first started like you you went in thinking you're not just going to tell your story, but you also want to tell other people's story, or did you kind of learn that through your career? Definitely learned it. Like, I remember I first first put out my first cassette back in 96, <laughs> what's, what's a cassette? <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy shit. My parents taught me. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember putting that out, and I sent it up to, like, you know, the big city of Toronto for an album review. And I remember the guy writing about it going, you know, he has cool beats, but he doesn't write about anything. Like, you know what I mean? I just rap. I'm the dopest. I'm going to flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Just rap to rap. And once I read that review, that was when I kind of stepped back and went, like, okay, like, I want to make sure I'm right. You know, I'll stay on my braggadocious songs just on some hip-hop talking shit song, but I want to have a lot of songs on my albums that have points. You know what I mean? Whether you even listen to hip-hop or you're even a rapper, it's something that, you know, can evoke, you know, provoke emotion and just give you more than just like, oh, that's a dope bar, you know wow that's some dope wordplay like i want some real emotion and, and something that can can hit people right. uh the final track on the album is uh best of me closing ceremonies uh you don't rhyme uh nothing seven yeah, minutes seven, of talking talking, talking. uh but you're telling us or you're, you're telling us your, your journey as an artist from hearing run dmc's tricky to creating your own label to work on an album in your garage to thanking a lot of people including your wife and kids um and then within the track you say now i'm on my 15th album which could be my last but I do say that after every album yeah but a track like this I, I hear the track I'm like crap is he retiring uh, yeah yeah so the question is are you retiring and why why leave us with this kind of track yeah yeah I wanted to leave the track because I do feel like this is my last album wow. like my last full length album you know what I mean and the whole story was just like basically how I did it I was writing my credits for the album and it was just like I've done this 15 times like thanking the same people it's like does anybody even read this shit anymore I was like you know what and I had the instrumental and I was like this is you know it was a cool little vibe instrumental that I wanted to do something on the album so I was like hey I'm just gonna do you know basically tell my whole story of how my how I started and where I'm at now and, and thank the people who got me there so that was you know, originally it was like four minutes longer. I ended up cutting four minutes <laughs> off of it, but it was just, you know, seven minutes of talking. So, 
it's uh yeah and, and this is I'm, I'm i'm pretty much 100 percent sure this will be my last album but i'm always making music i'm gonna put out eps do other things with other artists just doing 16 songs nowadays where the listeners just don't like an album is in and out within like three weeks right yeah you know I mean? people don't listen to albums like when we used to put albums out we'd listen for like six months you'd know every word every song and like that's just the style i grew up on and and the amount of work i put into every song it just almost felt like i wasn't I don't want to say I wasn't getting what I needed back from it, like just feedback wise, because people hit me up all the time, like about the album and stuff. But just how quick nowadays music comes and goes, it's like, fuck, I can put up five songs on an EP and it's going to last just as long as an album's going to last. I'm sure you get which, Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, which sucks, because I am an album guy. Like, I love to have different emotions, and, you know, upbeat jams, bangers, more emotional, slow stuff. But I think I can still do that in five songs, and I don't got to work on an album for 12, 13 months that's only going to last for two months. Because I'm sure you also get questions, like, you probably released, you released this album, and I'm sure people are like, oh, when's the new music coming out, right? Ooh, I had a guy email me yesterday, he's like, when's the new album dropping? Like, I just started it. Like, I just dropped one. <laughs> yeah, drop one, you know, it was five, six months ago, but... But like still, that I mean, was my that was my thing, you know. I'd work on an album, put it out, and I wouldn't start another record till at least nine months later. Because once I go in, I kind of go in like I just live in my studio. You know, I go in the house to eat with the wife and kids, and they're talking to me, but I'm thinking about lines and you know what I mean. It just yeah. mentally not even there. So with this one, I was kind of like, let me just stay away from it and just casually work on music until something comes. So now, I mean, obviously, how can we continue to follow you? Uh, Continue. How can we pick up this album? Uh, great, uh, but not also iTunes, how do we... all that stuff? Yeah, hit on Twitter at Classified, um, on Instagram Classified Hip Hop, Facebook Classified Music, and uh, yeah, I'm always working on stuff. Like I said, I'm a producer, so I'm always like I got someone coming to the studio in 20 minutes. Uh. Always working on stuff, working with younger artists, working with other MCs and stuff. But uh, yeah, just getting ready to write some new some new raps. Is there ever a moment uh, that you're, you're producing something and you create a beat and then in your back of your mind, like, you're I want this for me. I want this, yeah. All the time. <laughs> and most people are cool about it because it's almost like, I don't know, you know, a lot of bigger artists, you know, they work with artists and they're like, hey, I want that song that Kanye had and we'll go buy from them and that's that. But it's, it's cool now because I'm in a position where, like, if I work with an artist or an unknown artist, they're working on something like, shit, I want this for me. Like, you know, I worked on with them and they're like, great, great offer opportunity to get my name out because they know that if we put something out it's gonna you know we have that solid fan base that's gonna hear it and it will initially give that song probably more of a look so it's cool that way that a lot of the artists i'm working with are like yeah okay if you want it take it so. <laughs> but it happens all the time like i had one guy in here yesterday i made a whole song loved it like loved the drums that i did and as soon as he left i took all his shit out just left the drums and restarted another song <laughs> so. yeah it happens the new album is grateful. Uh, he's an artist and producer. Uh, classified, thank you so much for joining me on the library with Tim Mine and Cal on rapstation.com. All good, man. Thank you. Now I'm on my 15th album, which could be my last, but I do say that after every album. I'm sitting here back in Enfield. I've been working on this thing for like nine months, and I barely left my home. Stopped touring and stopped doing shows and just stayed here and worked on this album in the garage of my place so I could be close to my kids. I wear the same jogging pants every day. I haven't shaved. My computer only works right sometimes, but I'm getting there. I got to thank all the unofficial executive producers of this album that would help me out when I got confused and couldn't decide what beat to rhyme on or which verses I liked. My brother Mike, Simon Bennell, DJ IV, Jason Murray, White Mike, KI, Jay Brew, and Elijah. And a thanks to my family, my parents, Mike and Kathy Boyd, 
My parents-in-law, Ron and Linda Land, Chris Galant, my sister Leah and Craig Hopewell, Mike's wife Sarah, and all my nephews and nieces and cousins, and of course, my wife Kim, and my three daughters, Taylor, Kayla, and Emma. You all bring out the best of me. Best of me now. I thank you. Best of me now. Best of me now. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.